Hello, and welcome to the SLP Happy Hour podcast. Up today, it's me, Sarah, in an interview where you will learn six helpful questions you can use in your parent coaching sessions. And this is an interview episode with Bryony Rest from Salt by the Sea. So let's get to it. Helpful, compassionate, and actionable. The SLP Happy Hour podcast will help you find more time and ease in your busy SLP life. I'm Sarah, and I work in private practice and in the schools. I'm Sari. I work in the school setting. Being an SLP isn't about hustle, overwork, and overwhelm, but about finding calm, boundaries, and taking more time to take care of yourself when life gets rough. Using research-based happiness habits and what's really worked for us, we share ideas so that you can find out what works for you in order to find more calm, creativity, and happiness. So let's slow down, take our time, and practice leaving things undone. As you listen in, leave all those unrealistic expectations at the door. Here, you'll find easy lessons, lesson fails, SLP wisdom, and simple self-care challenges. So let's move forward with less hustle and more slowness, gentleness, and heart. It's time for an SLP happy hour. And we're back. Today, again, it's me, Sarah, in an interview episode with my friend, Bryony. Bryony is coming to us from the UK, where she lives on the Isle of Wight. I recommend following her on Instagram for photos of forest hikes, beach swims, and toddler and preschool tips. Welcome, Bryony. Thank you. It's really nice to be here. This is Bryony's second time on the podcast, so if you want more, scroll back to episode 36 to hear more from her. And I've shared a little bit about your work life in the intro, but will you introduce yourself to our audience a bit more and, you know, if you're a speech language pathologist or whatever, whatever term you use. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So here in the UK, we're called speech and language therapists, hence why my business is salt by the sea. I often get questions from people. And um, yeah, so I think realistically communication coach would probably be a more accurate title for what I do because I specialize in supporting children under five particularly neurodiverse children so a lot of my work involves supporting the family as a whole and helping parents and caregivers to tune in and really better understand where their child's at with their communication and to establish fun ways of playing and being together that builds communication. And since we're recording this in 2021 and we're still firmly settled in pandemic times, can you tell me a little bit about the work that you do, a little more about that? And also, um, you know, I know that uh, coronavirus numbers have been pretty high where you live. So how has that affected your work in home life? Yeah, it just feels like pandemic times is just a uh, long <laughs> A long road, isn't it? And certainly for um, my work, I've been doing almost everything online for the last year. There was a little period last summer where I was seeing children outside at the beach. And that was really fun. That took salt by the sea to a new level. Um, but the majority of my work is online. And actually, there's been some surprising Uh, benefits to that because I work with children who are not yet talking um, it's in 
in-person sessions, it's really easy for me to dive in and just do the play with the child. And actually being online has really forced me to spend more time in supporting the parent so that the parent really gets that experience of being able to help their child rather than, oh, I bring my child to therapy and Bryony will work with them. So it's it's a kind of a challenging shift, but it's definitely been worth the hard work. And so actually Zoom has been this real positive for, for those early Early interaction sessions and then on top of that I also run an online course for parents and also deliver workshops via Zoom to professionals. Yeah I, I really just wanted to give feedback about that piece where you talked about you know this isn't something the SLP does or that Bryony does or for me that Sarah does this is something that I can do and empowering parents and that's something that I definitely have seen a shift happen with my own sessions, but it's something that I don't have a ton of confidence about how I'm doing, like adjusting to that. Cause it, it does feel new and different. I mean, we've always done as SLPs parent coaching, but to have a period of time where our jobs change so intensively to that, it can be really hard you know we can have a lot of judgment for ourselves in that um and i definitely feel imposter syndrome with that and we'll talk about that more later yeah Yeah. so before we get started we like to do a lightning round of random questions to get to know you better uh answer go ahead and answer the first thing that comes to mind um are you game for that and how does that sound yeah absolutely sounds good okay what are three things you like to do outside Oh, the list is endless. I just love being outside so much. Climbing trees comes to mind first. Um, Yeah, I think I've got better at spotting the trees that are good for a climb. Um, Swimming in the sea, oh, but not quite yet. I think I might wait another month or two before I get brave to get back in the sea. And um, yeah, running on muddy trails with my husband and my dog. And what is a quote or a phrase that is one of your favorites right now? Right now, I just keep thinking of the wise words from Adrienne Marie Brown, where she encourages us all to have less prep, more presence. I just keep reminding myself of that. I get panicked about prep, and actually sometimes that gets in the way of the, the real moment happening. So less prep, more presence is on my mind at the moment. Right, and probably half the time I prep, especially with the younger kids that we're talk- who we're focused on right now, the prep doesn't even matter. Like I don't even use what I prepare. So yeah, you have to abandon it often. Yeah. So then what's, okay. So yeah, what's the point? Um, what is a show that brings you joy that you like to watch? Ah, oh, oh. <laughs> uh, one of the shows that my husband and I enjoy watching is Couples Come Dine With Me. It is a bit of a British TV classic. It is just fascinating to see people get together and chat. I think the kind of spontaneous interactions of it is just really fascinating right up my street. Okay. And then uh, what is an area of being an SLP that feels hard right now? But just pick one. (laughs) There's more than one. (laughs) I think at the moment I'm struggling with target setting. I think because we, I see such value in being able to be creative and flexible and spontaneous with our very young children where we have to be so child-led. Sometimes I struggle to square that with targets and thinking about how we can kind of have that, um, how we can create targets that really best serve the child. So that's what I've been thinking about a lot at the moment. And what was your first paid job? 
or one of your first paid jobs? Yeah, I had a few. I was a piano teacher and a barmaid and a barista all at the same time. Um, I was saving for a little bit of a trip. So yeah, they all taught me a lot about human interactions for sure. (laughs) And then um, once travel opens up again, where do you want to go? Oh, the mountains. We have sea here, but we haven't been anywhere near a mountain in a long time. And I miss that. Yeah. And then something that one of your uh, learners that you work with did that made you laugh or smile or warmed your heart this year. Oh, my goodness. Oh, it is. I think often it's the things that when children show me a different way of playing with something and so we end up with a kind of surprising combination I can't think of any specifics at the moment but I like how real kids are and it just it's always hilarious to me how now they can turn up to therapy sessions in their pajamas and that's always fun we talk about Paw Patrol or whatever's going on (laughs) that is fun yeah I think of just a random example of that I'm thinking of for myself is I was doing like an interactive vocabulary book. So there's like these laminated squares that they press and it is, was a less preferred activity. So the kid takes the little square, presses it to his ear and says, hello, hello, are you there? Can you hear me? <laughs> and this is a kid who doesn't talk much. And um, I think that someone in his family did phone calls for work. So he had memorized that, but um, just, those little, like what you're talking about, I think that might be in line with what you're talking about. Just these little surprises that we never could have planned for that our kids surprise us with, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And your little example of the phone makes me think of a kid who um, back in pre-pandemic times, I was in a preschool and he pulled out the brick from his pocket and said, I'm checking my emails. You know, <laughs> so thinking about the, the, these phrases and these routines that the that children learn from the observations they make around them. Yeah, it's good fun. Okay. Um, what is a piece of advice you'd give to five year ago you or 10 year ago you? Well, five years ago, I was about a year into running my own business. Um, I think the advice I would give myself is to stop sweating, you know, and just stop worrying about all the details and like trusting that there is time for everything and that you don't have to have it all figured out. And it's just that kind of next step. So to give myself a break, I think we all have high expectations of ourselves and our work. And um, it's a steep learning curve whenever we shift roles. So just to yeah, be a bit kinder and gentler with myself. Yeah, that's a lovely way of saying it. I think mine would be basically the same, which would be like, chill out. <laughs> like, and maybe all in caps, like chill, period, out, period. And then <laughs> exclamation marks. Uh, so yes, uh, I can definitely see that. So uh, we are ready to, I think, get into our six helpful questions to ask parents when you're doing parent coaching. And these are questions that you can ask whether you are via video, whether you're in person. So if you're, if you, you know, if you're thinking, should I listen onward? Uh, If you are interested in parent coaching, no matter, I think no matter what your setting or if it's virtual or in person, these questions will be thoughtful ways to engage parents better. And Bryony, I know since we're friends, I just wanted to say aloud that like you are so compassionate and patient and clear with parents. And this is an area where I've been uncomfortable. So I've asked you for advice a lot. 
Um, so I wanted to ask you to chat a little more about imposter syndrome when it comes to parent communication, because honestly, I feel nervous, you know, um, doing parent coaching because we had to make this switch so quickly. I'm not exactly sure how to do it. I sometimes don't want the answers to the, uh, like, you know, asking the parents how things are going. I'm afraid that they'll be like, oh, you're not doing a good job. So uh, can you speak to any imposter syndrome feelings or twinges that you may have experienced, but also how to ask questions to parents when you feel like maybe you aren't doing a great job with kids or your confidence is low and you might not want to know the answer to all these questions we're going to ask parents? Oh, heck yes. Yeah. Imposter syndrome is just something that we all experience and I definitely have noticed how the more that I desire having this real kind of flat hierarchy with parents and establishing the fact that we both bring expertise and relevant observations and ideas to share within that kind of therapeutic process, um, the less I worry about imposter syndrome. But I've definitely experienced it. And certainly when I was setting up my own independent practice six years ago and started sharing things on YouTube and social media about three years ago, my goodness, how much we can just get into a loop of catastrophizing all the ways in which someone will tell us we're wrong and inadequate and not doing a good job at all. And yeah, to open up when it comes to parent coaching, a huge part of that is asking for the parent to share with us how they feel things are going, what their observations are. And so, yeah, I can imagine the potential lie awake at night and think that mom thinks I'm doing a terrible job. I can't possibly ask her because then it will be real. <laughs> but I think that the process of helping any child and us really getting tuned into what they're up to and sharing with parents and caregivers all of the sometimes hard observations that we're making and the important details we're talking about it can be it's a vulnerable process for everyone so when I was back in in-person sessions the temptation for me to dive in and do the work directly with the child and leave the parents sitting on the chair was part of my imposter syndrome of like I need to just establish that I know how to engage this child well and that will make me feel better and it was much harder for me to kind of go into that less structured, less familiar territory of encouraging the parent to try things out. And I think also we notice how the parent brings their own sense of imposter syndrome to that. I'm working with children who are two and a bit. So, you know, I've been practicing for over a decade in supporting children with their early communication. And this might be a first time parent who's only been trying this stuff for a couple of years you know they've only been interacting with a two-year-old for a few months so I think that that's part of it as well our imposter syndrome comes to wanting everyone to feel a bit more comfortable and actually we have to get comfortable with not always feeling really you know comfy in what's happening I often <laughs> encourage people to embrace the awkward silence because we need that valuable thinking time, but it does feel awkward. And I think sometimes when we feel a little bit awkward, it's like, oh, well, this is worth paying attention to. Maybe this is where people are, we're really getting to the root of it and we're thinking about the tricky things. So. And we are 
being comfortable with asking the questions instead of being the holders of the locked box of all the answers, right? Yes. Yeah, absolutely. And zooming out a bit, how would you describe, you know, I'm hearing things like this more flat hierarchy. We're talking together about asking the questions instead of being the holders of the answers, letting there be silence, maybe wondering more than telling. Talk, talk a little more, if you don't mind, about your communication style with parents. Well, I have the luxury of a little bit more time than I did when I had an enormous caseload working within the National Health Service. But I think even if we're short of time in our role, it's really important for us to um, spend time establishing a trusting relationship, going back to thinking about how it can be vulnerable because we're giving a parent advice about interacting with their child and we're also bringing our own sense of imposter syndrome. So we need to spend time listening and being compassionate in that. And speaking of imposter syndrome, for me, it's taken me a while to really openly say that uh, I really focus on that compassionate listening as my a starting point from therapy because I used to hide behind clipboards and data sheets, you know, and the quantifiable stuff is, is firm. And, you know, that's what we generally value, but actually being able to truly listen is the most important thing because a parent brings a, a lot to one of these early intervention sessions. And we can, we can achieve a lot more if I give time for them to share all of that with me. It makes it easier for me to use language that they're using so that we're again kind of on the same page. How do they describe their child and what they're doing? Is there any opportunity for me to affirm and acknowledge that and to use similar language in how we talk about their child so we're all on the same page? So that's that kind of early work I do in terms of how to, how to communicate with them listening first, building trust, acknowledging that this can feel vulnerable, and then everything flows from there. Yeah, and the more you talk, the more I realize I definitely have hid behind the clipboard because I think it's the way I was taught, but I also think that it can be intimidating to do a parent coaching session and feel like, you know, we're the expert and we're telling the parent what to do, and so we kind of wrap ourselves in the cocoon or like thinking of like those big long cardigans that you like wrap, they call them like divorcee cardigans, right? You wrap around yourself and they're huge. And uh, so our, our cocoon, our, our cardigan that we're wrapping around ourselves is having the answers, holding the clipboard, telling. And I have done that. And I do do that. Even now I can think of situations just in the past week where I've done that. Um, and that's something I, I want to change. And that makes me think about how the more that we can uh, kind of bring this principle of open curiosity to our therapy sessions, then it's a sense of, yes, of course, we bring our credentials and our experienced lens, but also yeah, I think you mentioned wonder before, and I think that can be a really valuable way for us to think about each unique child. And we are looking to see what can they do? We're really just going to kind of open our eyes to it and, um, and start with that. Okay. So let's get into our six go-to questions, the ones that Bryony has in her toolbox, in her back pocket, in her divorcee cardigan, if you will. 
on, on my clipboard. <laughs> on your clipboard. Excellent. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so I'll go ahead and read through the titles and Bryony will expand. The first question you have is, so how are things going? What prompted you to get in touch with me now? Yeah, a really open question and um, not even specifically communication related. And I think that this is really important because we know that communication is an ecosystem, right? We're, and we're trying to get a sense of what is everyday life like because that's how children communicate within those everyday situations. So asking an open question like, tell me how things are going, um, I think, it, again, working towards that flat hierarchy, it's something that is not about, uh, you know, uh, it's not a very professionally crafted question. It's more, let me sit alongside you and listen to what's happening for you now. Um, and then that idea of why have you got in touch with me now can often um, get a little bit more detailed. That often prompts parents to tell me a little bit more about the child's communication, whether there's something they've seen that's very worrying for them or something that has just meant that now feels like a time when they can commit some extra energy and attention to this. Um, and so that, uh, those are, that's really helpful for me as a starting point. I think what you're saying too is the answers aren't always about communication per se, right? Mm, yeah. Yeah. But may impact on that communication. Yeah, definitely. Mm -hmm. Often things like sleep, snack time, siblings, these other things crop up as well, or mum returning to work or these variety of things as well. And, and that is helpful for me in just knowing a little bit more about the context in which this child is growing up and, and learning. Um, and it saves me from having to ask um, case history questions specifically about other aspects of that, because often they crop up within this more spontaneous question. And this also seems like a good initial first question of the session, right? Like as you start? Yes. Yeah. So I'll use it as um, for an initial consultation. How are things going? Why have you got in touch with me now? But then I will also use it for subsequent sessions because it tells me a lot about what a parent has recalled from previously, uh, from previous sessions, whether we have to revisit things or whether they, they are talking about it and using it. So it tells me a little bit about their home practice time and what's been um, successful or tricky for them over the course of that week. And that informs what we focus on over the course of our next therapy session. Okay, so the second one, I will say, is it all right if we just hang out today? <laughs> so again, I'm conscious that often I'll use quite informal language and that will depend a little bit on tuning into uh, how the parent's feeling about it. But often that for that first session, they'll arrive and think, oh, I'm coming in and I know I worry that Bryony is going to judge my parenting. I know that that crops up because parents will share with me how that, that fear of like, maybe my child has a communication need because I'm not doing a good enough job. And so anything that I can do to reduce the worry about that first session and that potential for the parent to be judged is helpful and also saying hey can we just hang out together with no expectations and we're just going to see what your child's up to see how they play see what they pay attention to see how they communicate with you and, and if they do that at all then that really helps again perhaps it helps with that imposter syndrome that you mentioned that we were talking about because there it, it establishes that 
there's no expectation that us therapists are going to be doing to the child, but instead we're looking at their communication and looking for the opportunities for us to build on the tiny early communication steps that they may be taking. Um, and so saying, we're just going to hang out and observe what your child's doing helps to kind of take the pressure off a little bit on all of us. Yeah. And as you're speaking, I can even think of situations where I think parents seemed to me defensive and like, oh, well, they usually, or, oh, well, this isn't, you know, and that those comments are not about me or, you know, but those are kind of uh, responses to maybe feeling judged or feeling a power imbalance in the session. There is that natural power imbalance, isn't there? And anything that we can do to honor what the parent's observing. So one of the questions that I will often ask is, I see your child doing this right now. Oh, I noticed how they looked toward, looked back at you to see if you were going to, to follow them towards the water tray or whatever you're doing. So I'm pointing out these tiny things that a child is doing. And then I'll ask the parent, did you see that? What did you think of it? So because that helps me to invite the parent to share their experience. So over time, we're building this trust of like, hey, mom or dad or whoever is bringing the child to the session, I really want your input. I really value how you're uh, noticing and interpreting the things that your child is doing. Um, and then I can add to that and say, oh, well, that applies to early communication development in this way. Or I'm seeing from that that maybe we, you know, that maybe this is the next step for your child. But to always say, I noticed this, mum. What do you think about that can help us to have that kind of dialogue rather than I am the expert therapist. I see this and therefore I prescribe X, Y and Z. Mm -hmm. So I think that a little bit ties in with the the question around I see what your see how your child is using their eyes to invite you into their play or just beginning to have a go at pointing or something like that and that tells me that they're at that stage. So I think we kind of covered that idea. So following on from that, um, often again we talked about establishing wonder and open curiosity so we know that as therapists we have our bank of strategies that we want to pull out at different points to encourage a parent to do and so I try and introduce that in a way with the parent by saying I wonder what would happen if you tried insert communication strategy here I wonder what would happen if you just paused for a minute or if you got down even lower so that you were face to face. Because I think by starting with I wonder, again, I'm encouraging parent to observe what happens. You know, it's like we're going to experiment with this. All children are a little bit different in how they respond to things. I wonder what would happen if you tried this. And then we can talk about it. And I use video feedback a lot in my sessions as well. So I might. Um, catch a little bit of that in video and we can look back on that afterwards really to encourage the parent to reflect and bring their expertise to what's happening within that dynamic between them and their child. Okay so another question that I will often ask is um, the things that we've seen today does that feel typical for you um, and this gives a parent the opportunity to say anything that they brought to the session but haven't had a chance to talk through so I oh, will actually um, it gives, you know, he's been far better 
behaved today than he usually is or actually this isn't typical because of x y and z and that really helps us to make sure that the parent feels like i have seen their child and got a sense of their communication and that again we're on the same page in terms of what we're seeing their their child do so asking does this feel typical to you opens up a little bit more of those conversations my final question that i ask within therapy sessions is one of the most vulnerable making for me and for the parent um, and it's definitely an opportunity to practice embracing the awkward silence because I will ask them what's one thing that you're going to take away from our session today and maybe try out at home and I do really have to pause and wait the parent needs time to think about that really I'm asking them to reflect on the last half hour or hour of our session um, and I'm interested to see what is the kind of highlight point that really made them think. I hope that they will maybe go away with more than one thing, but I find that just asking them to generate one thing that they're going to be thinking about and maybe a practical idea they're going to try out tells me um, what has struck home for them. And it also means that they are choosing their homework rather than me, which makes them more likely to do it. And if you're listening and you're thinking, oh, I would love those questions written down, go ahead and go to slphappyhour.com um, and we, we will have show notes and write these all out. So before we sum everything up and, and I, we do have a habit of lately on the show because it's so hard to see the good in the world that we have today um, and to recognize it, uh, what are three good things in your life right now? And um, yeah, we've got to hold on to those tiny things, haven't we? Um, and we're recording this on a Sunday. So the first thing that cropped up in my mind was afternoon tea that we had here because, yeah, we are in England. We had after we had custard shoe buns with our tea this afternoon, which is just an absolute indulgent delight. Uh, second thing. Over this weekend, I uh, repotted some of our houseplants. Felt really good to give them more room, get, some, get my hands in the dirt and let those roots wriggle around a little bit more. And a third thing that's feeling really good at the moment is lying on the floor with my dog, Rolo, between therapy sessions in the sunshine. He definitely brings some deep breaths and groundedness to, to home life. That's lovely. I don't have a dog at home, but I do have a cat. And when I lay down, he likes to he likes to lay on my chest and just hang out in the sunshine, too. So that's a perfect one. Uh, and Brittany, if our listeners got this far in the um, episode, I'm sure that they adore you and want to hear more from you. Where, where can they do that? And what programs do you offer? Yeah. So I would love to connect with people. You can find all my details on my website, which is saltbythesea.com. And that's got my social media links as well to my YouTube channel and my Instagram. And yeah, do it. Send me a DM. I love to always chat and connect with people. We're in the, in the business of talking. So it'd be fun to hear from people. And just as a fun collaboration, if you want to find Salt by the Sea on YouTube, we will link to that. Uh, we have a video recording of this session and we will share a clip of that. So if you want to see our faces in our homes where we're recording this, um, go ahead and stop by that. Thank you so much for listening today. I'm going to go through those tips really quickly just as a summary because I know that can be nice if I'm, you know, doing other things while I'm listening. So our go-to questions and statements for parent coaching. The first one is, so how are things going? What prompted you to get in touch with me? Next, 
we're just going to hang out today. Is that okay? Without expectations. I want to see how your child plays. Third, I see your child is, and then insert communication behavior. What do you think about that? Number four, I wonder what would happen if you insert communication strategy here. So like, I wonder what would happen if you, again, writing these examples, got lower or paused. Next, number five, what we've seen today, does that feel typical? And number six, what's one thing you're going to take from our chat today and maybe try out at home? So I hope those questions helped you as much as they helped me. I know that in my friendship with Bryony, I have gotten much better at parent coaching and still have quite a ways to grow. So I'm just very grateful for Bryony for coming on and sharing her knowledge. Uh, this episode is sponsored by the Apraxia Speech Print and Go or Screen Share and Go packet that we have in our Teachers Pay Teachers store. It's called um, the Apraxia of Speech Homework Packet. And with this, if you decide that you want to purchase it, you will have tons of no prep options for students with childhood apraxia of speech, working on some of the most common goals and objectives I target in my private practice where this is kind of a specialty of mine with my students. So this packet has more than 20 pages and there are lots of objectives like word shapes, multisyllabic words, some 100 trials practice. To find it, just go ahead and go to teacherspayteachers.com and search for SLP happy hour. It's in our store there or check the link in the show notes wherever you're listening. I'm coming at you from Southern Oregon, where the weather report is snowy and melting. Oh my goodness, we had a roof leak yesterday because it, it was our first and probably last snow of the year. The snow piled up and then melted quickly and we had a giant leak in our living room that we're working on fixing. So that's our weather report from Oregon. And this episode is recorded on the land of the Tacoma and Cow Creek Umpqua tribes. Remember to share this with a friend, especially now when it feels so hard to be an SLP. These six questions could really help them. So think about emailing or texting this episode to a friend. And of course, subscribe and rate and review wherever you're listening. If you want to hear more from us, as always, you can go to slphappyhour.com newsletter. And please visit our website, slphappyhour.com, for more information about us and specific show notes on each episode. So that's today's episode. We hope you enjoyed listening as much as Bryony and I enjoyed recording it. And we both hope this episode has been a little slice of an SLP happy hour for you. Thank you for listening. Until next time. <laughs>